Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. Big Blue Restoration, the number one choice in water damage restoration. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome to another fun-filled edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me from SureTop Roofing is Donnie Blanchard. How are you today, Donnie? Good. I can't complain uh, unless it's about the weather. Which is, man, I know it's summer and we normally have thunderstorms and stuff, but the rain, the mm-hmm. intense heat, I, I guess it's tough for a, a company like yours. You have them all outside. Absolutely. We're super cautious in terms of being preventative when these storms come out of nowhere in some cases, but we we keep tarps on the truck so that if uh, something's not on the radar and it pops up, we're prepared. But um, more than anything, I, I want to play it safe with my guys. Uh, somebody told me the other day that North Carolina leads the country in deaths by lightning strike. Hmm. And of course, I looked that up and it's not exactly true. We're in the top five, but uh, North Dakota actually leads in that category. Weird. Yeah, I was also reading about how males are five times more likely than females to be struck by lightning. Because males are five times dumber than females. And (laughs) they stay outside in a lightning storm to probably finish the back nine. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that contributes to the stats. Also, another thing that made me feel a little better is that folks from 15 years old to 34 years old account for almost half of the lightning strike. So you and I are good. That's called wisdom that we have. (laughs) And uh, the last thing I read that got my attention was that one third of lightning injuries occur indoors. Wow. I know. Who knew? Hmm, I guess just through uh, where the current runs uh, through the house. Not proper grounding. Wow. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I, that's a shocking stat to me because we <laughs> always think get inside. That's where you're going to be safe. Right. Well, we're not a weather show, but we do talk about your house and things that are interesting. It's the Carolina Contractor Show. The best place to start to get an idea is at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We've got links to the Facebook page. We've got YouTube videos. We've got Ask the Contractor. If you have a question for Donnie about your house, maybe a grounding issue, or maybe it's the roof or the walls or landscaping, things like that. He loves to get your questions. Just click on Ask the Contractor, and we're going to answer some questions that people have submitted later in this show. Also, if you want to listen to past episodes of the Carolina Contractor Show, we got the podcast up there so you can download them and listen to them. But today, one of the things we're going to talk about is switching from uh, weather and atmospheric events to geology because we had quite a geological event last week. We did. Uh, that earthquake that hit actually shook the walls of my house. I was a little closer than you were, and you mentioned that it didn't hit you down in Wilson. But um, correct. Very, very scary moment for about five seconds. My wife and I looked at each other and uh, just just both of us had an uncertain look and, and we didn't know how that was going to end up. But of course it was okay. Our house was fine. And um, I can't imagine the folks who were a little closer to the center of that. And my bass player at our church said it's because he changed strings Saturday night. Nice. And then he played Sunday morning. So he said he was the cause, but I think I had a lawn chair tip over. Yeah. You can make an earthquake joke when you're an hour and a half away, right? That's right. It was very convenient for me. <laughs> One thing that I tailored our topic around is that, you know, what was a West Coast problem primarily, I guess for the last hundred years, we haven't had anything this strong, all of a sudden got on the radar for the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been through an earthquake before? Never. 
Okay, remember when we had one that was like near Washington, D.C.? I do. Right here at the beautiful seventh floor of Smoke Tree Tower in Raleigh, my coworker's office, he's right next to me, he felt it. I felt nothing. Also, I lived in California, in Los Angeles, in Hollywood. Oh, I went to school there. Uh-huh. The whole time I was there, I didn't even catch a tremor yeah. that I recognize as being a tremor. But other people in this state, they felt that one. They felt other ones. I've never, maybe I'm just impervious to noticing it or right. just stupid. I was actually under a house when that particular earthquake you mentioned came about and I still didn't feel it. I was in Greensboro and I was retrofitting the underside of a crawl space with insulation. And um, when I heard about it, I said, wow, you know, I was right there and under a house, worst place I could have possibly been. And I didn't feel anything. Thank goodness. Now, the earthquake we had in Sparta, which is towards the mountains near Cherokee, was a 5.1. And according to the Richter scale, a 5 to a 5.9 is a moderate, a 6 to a 6.9 is strong, a 7 to a 7.9 is major, an 8 or more is great. I don't know. Have you ever been to Charleston, South Carolina? I have. Yes, sir. Okay. They had a big earthquake back in 1886, and they estimate it was between a 6.9 and a 7.3. And if mm. that means it was a strong to a major earthquake. Now, you being a contractor and loving buildings, if you've ever noticed, some of the buildings in downtown Charleston have these big, they're probably a foot and a half to two foot diameter metal shields on the end of a house mm-hmm. with a bolt in the middle. And what they did was to prop up some of the houses that were damaged by the hurricane is they literally ran a long bolt through the length of the house and tightened it on both ends. And they could adjust it, loosen it or tighten it, depending if they thought the wall was at risk of opening up or or falling over. Now, if you go down there today, you'll see it on the houses still. But we went for a tour, one of those carriage tours, and the guy said, there they are. But I'll just let you know, most of the ones you see today are just caps. They're just there for design. Wow, that's cool. Before we get into seismic design and some of the things I want to talk about with how we can build our homes differently, I want to say that I had a meeting the day after this earthquake hit, and uh, we're doing some work for a lady who works at an insurance agency locally. She mentioned she was a few minutes late because she had been writing earthquake endorsements all day long and that her phone was really busy. So I said, well, hey, just out of curiosity, how much does that cost? And she said it's about a $300 endorsement to add to your policy, but It's just not something we talk about often, like uh, similar to flood insurance. That's a whole different policy. This is something that you can add to an average homeowner's policy for about $300 a year. And I guess just a lot of folks felt like that was justified after the other day. Well, my wife and I one time wanted to consider that, but we went with the zombie apocalypse rider. Nice. Mm -hmm. So we're safe there. Yeah, well, the earthquake's out of the way, so chances are that might hit before then. Good investment on our part. (laughs) What else you got? Um, Well, what got my attention about this is um, just how far along the Japanese folks are uh, in relation to where we are in terms of how they design in preventative maintenance ways to basically help a house withstand an earthquake and still be functional afterwards. Uh, This particular architect that I read about, he was in his office during a big earthquake they had in 1996 in Japan. They lost about 6,000 people in this Mm. particular earthquake, and this guy said he didn't even lose a book off the shelf. So this particular guy had a prototype of the base isolation foundation I'm going to tell you about, and uh, at that time, they said Japan only had about two dozen of these buildings that were made to withstand an earthquake. Today, they have over 9,000 of these, uh, residential and commercial. So what are the basic physics of this design, Donnie? Right. Of course, it's called a base isolation building design. And uh, where conventional buildings move with the ground during an earthquake, basically these things uh, are like shock absorbers. Mm. So they allow the the base or the foundation to move with the earthquake. And at the same time, that allows the building above to be flexible and, and not move hardly at all. 
So if this is a big thing in Japan, why do we not do it here, especially in cities we always think about, San Francisco and mm-hmm. Los Angeles? Why are they not used there? Well, they have some pretty strict regulations from the government over in Japan. They actually talk about this on TV, and they just really get the word out there with all their citizens. So they've almost created this awareness so that folks know that this is something that's, that's necessary. Also worth noting on that is that large earthquakes are 10 times more likely in Japan than they are here. Hmm. Part of the ring of fire. <laughs> right. Now, why should we here in the U.S. give this more attention, Donnie? The stats that I read up on said that it costs four times more to reconstruct after an earthquake than to build it with prevention. Uh, that preventative building style, on average, costs about 15% more. So uh, the numbers just don't lie there. And if it's a big enough building, you know, it's only a matter of time. And I guess you're gambling. Uh, and being that we just had a pretty strong earthquake, either uh, they come in bunches or we won't have another one for another hundred years, but but who knows? Mm-hmm. They said that if a seven actually hit a bigger city, that it would almost render that city completely useless for a period of time. And we know now that, you know, if a city falls off the map, you know, it, it may never come back. And we discussed just a few minutes ago on the Richter scale, anything above a seven is considered a major right. earthquake. Exactly. And speaking of those stats, you know, they said that the United States is losing four billion for every year it delays on a stronger building code. And I know some of our contractor listeners probably don't want to hear that, but like I said, that they have a lot more government regulations over in Japan, whereas we have a building code and that's also dictated by government regulations uh, in terms of a code book. But there's also such a thing as code minimum. And a lot of people just build to that code minimum because it passes and it's a lot cheaper. OK, obviously retrofitting or maybe not even retrofitting, building a building mm-hmm. to the standards that Japan has, especially in hot zones, Los Angeles or San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would the cost change be to build a house to the regulations that would make it, quote, Earthquake proof, right? Unquote. Um, well, they said about fifteen percent. So you know, on a uh, that might be an extra fifty grand on a three hundred thousand dollar house. But I'm not sure that the products are readily available to do it here. Even uh, my dad, being a footing subcontractor, you know, this base isolation foundation basically goes against everything I've ever been taught. And uh, at the same time, you know, the the structural engineering it works. I, I saw how they do it, how they pull it off, and I've also seen uh, pictures of, of buildings that have been through earthquakes with this type of foundation, and, and it seems to work just like it's supposed to. Yeah. Do you have any of those buildings in the U.S.? We do. Um, so somebody has actually made some? They have. They oh, okay. have. We're slow going at this, but they said the United States has roughly 175 base-isolated buildings. Another thing I thought was interesting about the United States is that there's an American company and they develop seismic isolation devices like we're talking about. And they've shipped 70 percent of the 20,000 devices they made overseas. So, you know, we're exporting these. uh, Something we could use in our backyard. Right. And we're we're exporting these a lot more than we're using them over here. But I do think that's going to change, especially as the building codes become more strict. And it's just kind of one of these games that the insurance companies play along with the building code and and one will tighten down and then the energy code tightens down and everybody has to respond to that. So I feel like each industry will pull the other one along eventually. Now that we're talking about earthquakes and and building structures to withstand them, didn't that new Apple campus do something funky like they, that? They did. The Apple campus is just ugly, but aside <laughs> right, from that. Right. To paint you a picture, it looks kind of like the Pentagon, but it's a circle. So it's about the same size as that building, and it's just one giant circle. I read up on it, and it said that they have about 12,000 people working there all the time, and um, in that size building, they have 700 support columns down on these base-isolated foundations. Another side note on that is the designer of the building was actually the same guy that designed an iPhone and an iPad back when Steve Jobs was alive. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he did make a comment that he and Steve Jobs never considered a conventional foundation for this building. And um, 
Another fun fact is that uh, they said that if there were a crane on the planet that could pick up the weight of an entire building, a crane could actually pick the Apple building up right off the foundation. So it's just kind of sitting on yep. top of it. Yep. The weight of the building is actually what keeps it in place. But should an earthquake ever happen, basically the foundation is independent from the remaining structure. And this information is already up on the Facebook site. If you want to look at it yourself, go to thecarolinacontractor.com. Also, if you have a question about your house, uh, is your house earthquake proof? <laughs> I don't know if Donnie can answer that. But if you have any question about your house, the roof, the floors, the inside, the outside, go to the Carolina contractor.com submit your question just click on the ask the contractor button and we got some questions coming up next on the show so hang on everything under your roof is important so make sure your roof is up to the job for over 20 years sure top roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses sure top roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty sure top roofing has estimators project managers and design consultants on staff guaranteeing superior service visit suretoproofing.com sure top roofing has you covered Welcome back to my favorite part of the Carolina Contractor Show. It's questions from listeners just like you. Do you have a question about your house? Go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, and click on Ask the Contractor. Donnie gets all your questions, and even though he owns Top Roofing and that's his wheelhouse, it doesn't have to be about your roof. It can be about your flooring, your walls, painting, insulation, HVAC, landscaping, how to grill the perfect steak. <laughs> you, if that's a question, ask Donnie. Again, go to thecarolinacontractor.com. We got uh, about a half dozen questions here. Are you ready, Donnie? Yep. Hey, on that steak comment, yeah. uh, you got to go cast iron pan all the way on your fillets. That, that's a game changer. All right. We're going to do a show on grilling. I'm telling a segment on grilling in the future, okay? You got it. All right. Question number one sent to thecarolinacontractor.com. My wife wants to know if we can keep bath water warm without running more water. Yeah, this was a really good question, and it sounds super simple, but um, I had a lot to say about this, and um, it, it depends on how long you want to keep the water warm. Uh, this one little trick kind of works, and we always talk about insulation, and one thing you never think about as insulation are bubbles. So people take a bubble bath, and actually the bubbles on the surface of the water, uh, they actually retain that heat better than no bubbles. So you know, if you need an extra five minutes, a bubble bath may be a good solution. But um, in this particular case, I, I called these folks up and just filled out their situation and, you know, what kind of tub they had. And um, the one thing that they hadn't thought about uh, is a circulating pump. And we don't talk about this very often. And it's just kind of an unknown thing in the plumbing world and uh, definitely not a DIY project. But I would call a plumber and just see if your particular situation uh, would be right for a, a recirculating pump. But a recirculating pump basically keeps hot water live on a fixture. When we talked about uh, hot water on demand, so that's the the outside pack wall heater. That's the uh, Renai unit that a lot of folks seem to like. But when you say hot water on demand, they feel like when they turn the faucet, they get hot water out of the faucet. That's not what it means. It means that it heats the water up as needed. So you can never really run out of hot water, but you still have that problem with the cold water sandwich. Uh, that's what this particular gentleman's wife was asking about because she had a hot bath and she didn't want to turn the hot on and get that cold water sandwich that's between <laughs> the remaining hot water. That's a plumbing term. I got and it. it didn't want to didn't want to get that cold water in there before she got the hot. So a recirculating pump is perfect for that. It'll keep hot water on that fixture just about all the time. And if you can rig it up in a way or if your plumber can install it in a way where 
Maybe it just keeps the whole master bath outfitted with instant hot water. That's a nice luxury, and you're talking in terms of hundreds, not thousands. What about – do those water heater blankets work? Yes. Uh, so while we're on hot water, uh, water heater blankets are something that we, I don't think we've ever touched on that. But in terms of um, insulation, it saves about 30% on your water heater cost just by insulating the outside of that hot water tank. And uh, I think the payback on it roughly is about one year, maybe if it's a year and a month. It's still one of those things with a really quick payback period and totally worth it. DIY, right? That's a DIY project for sure. Yes, sir. All right. You ready for question number two? Lay it on me. Our attic pull-downs are allowing hot air to be pulled in. I think they mean pulled into the house, the little part of the house. How can we fix this? I know one way, but we'll see if you mention it. Right. This guy actually got a thermal imaging camera. And when we we talked, he said that he's been listening to the show for about a year. And they had an insulation company out, and they sealed the top plate, which means the uppermost ceiling. They blew an R44 insulation in there, and it cost them about $1,200 or so. Uh, he said currently they're right at $160 to $70 a month saved from what they were a year before. Wow. But when they bought the thermal imaging camera, he saw that that attic pull-down was his vulnerable point. And, of course, I had him send me a picture of it. Um, he had the old quarter-inch Luan door that they had. His house was probably built in the 60s. And, uh, of course, he had this kind of rickety pull-down stairs in the attic space. So uh, my recommendation was a two-fold approach. Uh, if you want to keep that door and you don't have the skills to take that door out or you don't want to hire somebody to come in your house right now, mm-hmm. it's pretty darn cheap just to put weather stripping around the outside of that door. And also just buy a piece of the rigid foam insulation, whether it be you know uh, an inch or uh, half an inch, I think the two-inch stuff is a little too thick so that it actually interferes with the step tread width. So if you were to right. go up those attic stairs, going too thick on the insulation would, would not give you very much toe space. But um, to insulate the back of that door, you take a tube of caulk, cut the insulation, just slap it on there, and, and it'll really help the R value. Um, we haven't dove into this in a long time, but I look at everything from a convective and a conductive heat transfer way. So um, – Conductive would be like sitting a hot coffee mug on a cold counter. It's going to lose heat to that counter and eventually get cold. Convective is like when you think about a convection oven and and the air inside the oven is distributed pretty evenly. Uh, Convective heat transfer happens when the outside pressure is pushing on your house. So it's basically pulling air through any vulnerable crevice that it can get through. So basically the weather stripping takes care of the convective heat transfer because you no longer can get the air from the attic to come around through those cracks. And then the insulation takes care of the conductive heat transfer. Um, all that said, if you uh, want to spend a little extra, they make this door and I, the company is Marwin, M-A-R-W-I-N. And they, I actually have this in my personal house, but it's called a thermoblock pull-down attic stair, and they've come a long way since I put mine in 10 years ago, but uh, the the basic model right now is about an R10 on the R value, and they have as much as an R50 available. But what this thing is, it actually is the thickness or thicker than a real door. So mine's an inch and a half. I think they're two and a quarter inches thick now. But this thing is actually sealed in weather strip, just like a, when an exterior door would be. And uh, it's pretty fascinating with that R50 available. I'm going to dive into that and maybe put some details on the website, but when you talk about R value to inch conversion, you know, spray foam has about an R value of seven per inch, which is really strong. So I don't have any idea how they're gaining an R50 out of a two and a quarter inch door, but that, they claim that, that it does hold that R value. And I think that's just really strong. All that said, no matter which option you choose, retrofitting your existing door or having that Marwin thermoblock installed, I always recommend an attic tent on exactly. the top side of that. Attic tents are pretty darn cheap. I'd say less than a hundred dollars in most cases. 
And uh, just getting that insulated attic tent to sit over that attic door will make a big, big difference. And I've said this before on the show. My wife and I, many, many years ago, pre-kids, we made our own because we didn't even know something like this existed. Yep. We just took some framing wood mm-hmm. and we wrapped plastic around it. Then we put some uh, roll insulation on mm-hmm. it and wrapped plastic around that and stapled it to the wood framing. But we still use it today. It sits above the attic right. door. So when we close the attic door, it drops down on it. And that's basically the attic tent, yeah. but a, a homemade version yeah, of it. Yeah, same exact concept. Also, if you're going to get a new attic door, but you're not going to go with the Marwin, you can replace the framing and attic doors if it's just too old, the steps are bad. Home improvement stores sell them for about a few hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a high skill of carpentry mm-hmm. to take an old one out and put a new one in. So right. there are some other cost-effective ways to get a properly fitting door. Yeah, speaking of pull-down stairs, I want to add one more thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we went with a five-and-a-half-inch tread on ours, and mm-hmm. I can't explain just how easy that makes going up and down with boxes. I think the old tread was about three-and-a-half inches, and heaven forbid you try to go up that with just socks or with bare feet. Mm-hmm. It's not comfortable, but uh, not that five-and-a-half-inch tread makes a big difference. All right, next question. Is it true? True that black shingles are more hot than the other colors. Right. This was a good question, and I get this all the time. I just never got it through the website. But uh, this particular person, I guess they just had an old school way of thinking. Uh, the answer is yes, they are, but it's only about three or four degrees. Um, I know this just from the shingle manufacturers and what they tell us. Back in my 20s when I was an insurance adjuster, we had to diagram every roof that we were on, and we had to describe the orientation, meaning north, south, east, west. So I bought the cheapest compass I could get, and I hung it right there on my tool belt. Well, it just so happened to have a thermometer on it. So it hung about knee height, so 18 inches or so off the roof. And when I got on a black roof, of course, I checked it. It'd be 165. Hmm. I'd get on a light gray roof. I'd check the, the temperature there, and it'd be about 162. So, you know, uh, it's a big misconception that you shouldn't go with black shingles because it's going to heat the attic up and heat the house up. Um The attic technically should be independent from the house in terms of ambient temperature because uh, if you have the right amount of insulation, no matter how hot the attic gets, it's not going to contribute to the inside space. But um, a big reason that people probably thought this a long time ago is just because shingles used to have so much more limestone filler. So uh, where the weight per square used to be around 240 pounds per square, they've trimmed that down to about 220 pounds per square uh, by taking out some of that limestone filler, and that actually contributes to an uh, increased asphalt percentage. So um, all that is is how these shingle companies are getting longer warranties and higher wind ratings and just you know the technology that goes into those now versus 30 years is just a whole different ballgame. All right, next question for the Carolina contractor. We hired an architect for a major addition. He spec'd out a lot of specialty products that required certain contractors to do the work. It really ran the cost of the project up. Is this normal? Uh, no, and this is really upsetting to me because we see it more in a commercial setting than a residential setting. But um, a lot of these architects are in bed with the material suppliers or just uh, the manufacturers in some cases. And the game is some of these manufacturers will only allow there to be a certain amount of certified contractors to install their product. Uh, for instance, we were doing a big job at a local university, and they spec'd out a product called Sika. And I had never even heard of Sika in the roofing world, and the reason is that they only have a handful of folks who are qualified to install it in North Carolina. Well, of course, I call because I said, how hard can it be? And they said, somebody would have to drop off of that existing list for me 
to even be considered as a Sika uh, installer. So hmm. when I looked into it a little deeper, uh, I saw that it was just a really expensive product. So it cost almost double what a comparable version that I had been using for all these years and, and had a lot of success with, but it just had that name and, uh, and the university had had a little bit of success with it on a prior building and, and that's what they wanted to go. So I lost out on a job because an architect spec this out from a residential standpoint, just having a good contractor should be able to guide you through this. That contractor has to follow the, local building codes from the local municipality. And if he's been around for a while, he'll understand uh, what products work just as well as others. And so just having a good contractor will kind of eliminate the use of that expensive architect. My advice is if you've already spent 2000 on the architect and he specced out a lot of crazy stuff, I would just scrap it, um, maybe keep the plan, but don't turn that into the municipality because once that plan is approved, you may have to follow some of those product recommendations. All right. We got time for one more question submitted to the Carolina Contractor. Dot com. What are the options with spray foam insulation and is retrofitting an option? Well, open cell and closed cell are what you hear the most about. Uh, open cell is kind of like a sponge. You know, you cannot you cannot get any water around the open cell because it will definitely absorb that. Closed cell is comparable and not in density, but it, it's comparable to concrete. So it can't absorb any moisture. Uh, closed cell is by far the most used out of the two. Uh, open cell uh, gives you a little bit of cost savings, but I just don't think it's worth it. If you've seen these Yeti coolers and just other uh, comparable models, they actually use closed cell spray foam insulation in a plastic shell. So that that's the big secret for these coolers that keep ice for a couple of days. In terms of retrofitting being an option, uh, with the spray foam, they did make a water-based foam injection years ago. Uh, it went away just about as fast as it came about because it didn't give the results that people expected. Today, one of the options is uh, something we call drill and fill. Right. And so they put about a two and three quarter inch hole in every single cavity around your house. If you have siding, it's pretty easy to do this. But uh, they spray in there a fiberglass and wool mixture. And so basically it's just, uh, it's glass. It won't settle. Uh, They had a cellulose version of this, which I do not recommend. Cellulose, for lack of a long explanation, is basically just ground up newspaper and in a wall cavity, over time, it can settle as much as two feet. So, Whoa. Yeah, and, and cellulose, if you think about it, is uh, as horizontal insulation. So overhead, it's not bad, and it doesn't settle as much. But uh, vertical insulation in a wall, it's not so great. In all of our custom builds, we try to go two-by-six exterior walls, and we do a method called flash and bat. So it's one inch of spray foam. And in a two-by-six wall cavity, you can get as much as an R19 bat behind that. So our wall cavities are, are maxing out at about an R26 when we're all finished. And when we mentioned earlier about convective and conductive heat transfer, of course, the spray foam takes care of the convective heat transfer, and the bat insulation behind that takes care of the conductive. Excellent answer. And if you have a question for Donnie, you want to try to stump him, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, and click on Ask the Contractor. Now, if you have a question about your roof, especially when these storms go through and you wonder if you've got some damage because you can have hail in these thunderstorms that are prevalent in the summer or with we had tropical storms going through, things like that. If you have a question, contact Top Roofing. Let them come out. Their estimates are free. Donnie's got a drone, so he doesn't even have to necessarily climb on your roof, and he can check your roof for any damages or if it's just time for a new roof, and you know it. It's been a decade or 15 years. Go ahead and give Top Roofing a call. Let them come out and help you. But the best thing Donnie can say when he looks at your roof is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we will see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by SureTop Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com.
Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.